0: Section twenty four of Aesthetic as Science of Expression and General Linguistic. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Larry Wilson. Aesthetic as Science of Expression and General Linguistic by Benedetto Croce. Translated by Douglas Ainsley, eighteen sixty five. 1948. Historical Summary, part six. France was the prey of Condillac's sensualism and therefore incapable of duly appreciating the spiritual activity of art. We hardly get a glimpse of Wickelmann's transcendental spiritualism in Quatamere de Quincy and the frigid academics of Victor Cousin were easily surpassed by Theodore Joffre, though he too failed of isolating the aesthetic fact. French Romanticism defined literature as the expression of society, admired under German influence the grotesque and the characteristic, declared the independence of art in the formula of art for art's sake, but did not succeed in surpassing philosophically the old doctrine of the imitation of nature. F. schlegel and solger indeed were largely responsible for the romantic movement in france schlegel with his belief in the characteristic or interesting as the principle of modern art which led him to admire the cruel and the ugly solger with his dialectic arrangement whereby the finite or terrestrial element is absorbed and annihilated in the divine and thus becomes the tragic or vice versa and the result is the comic rosencrantz published in Königsberg an, an aesthetic of the ugly and the works of vischer and zeising abound in subtleness relating to the idea and to its expression in the beautiful and sublime these writers concede of the idea of the night pure beautiful constrained to abandon his tranquil ease through the machinations of the ugly the ugly leads him into all sorts of disagreeable adventures from all of which he eventually emerges victorious the sublime the comic the humorous and so on are his marengo austerlitz and Jena. another version of their knight's adventures might be described as his conquest by his enemies but at the moment of conquest he transforms and irradiates his conquerors to such a mediocre and artificial mythology, led the much elaborated theory of the modifications of the beautiful. In England, the associationist psychology continued to hold sway, and showed, with Dugald Stewart's miserable attempt at establishing two forms of association, its incapacity to rise to the conception of the imagination. With the poet Coleridge, England also showed the influence of German thought and coleridge elaborated with wordsworth a more correct conception of poetry and of its difference from science but the most notable contribution in english at that period came from another poet p b shelley whose defence of poetry contains profound though unsystematic views as to the distinction between reason and imagination prose and poetry on primitive language and on the poetic power of objectification in italy francesco de sanctis gave magnificent expression to the independence of art he taught literature in naples from 1838 to 1848 in turn and zurich from 1850 to 1860 and after 1870 he was a professor in the university of naples historia de la literatura italiana is a classic and in it and in monographs on individual writers, he exposed his doctrines. Prompted by natural love of speculation, he began to examine the old grammarians and rhetoricians with a view to systematize them, but very soon he proceeded to criticize and to surpass their theories. The cold rules of reason did not find favor with him, and he advised young men to go direct to the original works. The philosophy of hegel began to penetrate italy and the study of vico was again taken up Sanctus translated the logic of hegel in prison where the bourbon government had thrown him for his liberalism bernard had begun his translation of the aesthetic of hegel and so completely in harmony was desanctus that the thought of this master that he is said to have guessed from a study of the first volume what the unpublished volumes must contain and to have lectured upon them to his pupils traces of mystical idealism and of hegelianism persist even in his later works and the distinction which he always maintained between imagination and fancy certainly came to him from hegel and schelling he held fancy alone to be the true poetic faculty De Sanctis, absorbed all the juice of hegel but rejected the husks of his pedantry of his formalism of his a priori. fancy for de sanctus was not the mystical transcendental apperception of the german philosophers but simply the faculty of poetic synthesis and creation opposed to the imagination which reunites details and always has something mechanical about it faith and poetry he used to say are not dead, but transformed. His criticism of Hegel amounted in many places to the correction of Hegel, and as regards Vico, he is careful to point out that when, in dealing with the Homeric poems, Vico talks of generic types, he is no longer the critic of art, but the historian of civilization. De Sanctis saw that artistically, Achilles must always be Achilles never a force or an abstraction thus desanctus succeeded in keeping himself free from the hegelian domination at a moment when hegel was the acknowledged master of speculation but his criticism extended also to other german aestheticians. by a curious accident he found himself at zurich in the company of theodore vischer that ponderous hegelian who laughed disdainfully at the mention of poetry of music and of the decadent italian race De Sanctus laughed at vischer's laughter wagner appeared to him a corrupter of music and nothing in the world more unesthetic than the aesthetic of theodore his lectures on ariosto and petrarch before an international public at zurich were delivered with the desire of correcting the errors of these and of other german philosophers and learned men he gave his celebrated definitions of French and German critics. The French critic does not indulge in theories. One feels warmth of impression and sagacity of observation in his argument. He never leaves the concrete. He divines the quality of the writer's genius and the quality of his work, and studies the man in order to understand the writer. His great fault is shown in substituting for criticism of the actual artwork a historical criticism of the author and of his time. For the German, on the other hand, there is nothing so simple that he does not contrive to distort and to confuse it. He collects shadows around him from which shoot vivid rays. He laboriously brings to birth that morsel of truth which he has within him. He would seize and define what is most fugitive and impalpable in a work of art. Although nobody talks so much of life as he does, yet no one so much delights in decomposing and generalizing it. Having thus destroyed the particular, he is able to show you as the result of this process final in appearance, but in reality preconceived and a priorist. One measurement for all feet, one garment for all bodies. About this time he studied Schopenhauer, who was then becoming the fashion schopenhauer said of this criticism of de Sanctis, that italian has absorbed me succum et sanguinum what weight did he attach to uh, schopenhauer's much-valued writings of art having exposed the theory of ideas he barely refers to the third he barely refers to the third volume which contains an exaggerated theory of aesthetic in his criticism of petrarch de Sanctis finally broke with metaphysical aesthetic saying of hegel's school that it believed the beautiful to become art when it surpassed form and revealed the concept of pure idea this theory and the subtleties derived from it far from characterizing art represent its contrary the impotent velity for art which cannot slay abstractions and come in contact with life Sanctis held that outside the domain of art all is shapeless the ugly is of the domain of art if art give it form is there anything more beautiful than iago if he be looked upon merely as a contrast to Othello, then we are in the position of those who looked upon the stars as placed where they are to serve as candles for the earth form was for de sanctus the word which should be inscribed over the entrance to the temple of art in the work of art are form and content but the latter is no longer chaotic The artist has given to it a new value, has enriched it with the gift of his own personality. But if the content has not been assimilated and made his own by the artist, then the work lacks generative power. It is of no value as art or literature, though as history or scientific document its value may be great. The gods of Homer's Iliad are dead, but the Iliad remains. Gelf and Ghibelline have disappeared from Italy not so the divine comedy which is as vigorous today as when dante first took pen and hand thus dissectis held firmly to the independence of art but he did not accept the formula of art for art's sake in so far as it meant separation of the artist from life mutilation of the content art reduced to mere dexterity for de sanctus form was identical with imagination with the artist's power of expressing or representing his artistic vision this much must be admitted by his critics but he never attained to a clear definition of art his theory of aesthetic always remained a sketch wonderful indeed but not clearly developed and deduced the reason for this was de sanctus love of the concrete no sooner had he attained from general ideas a sufficient clarity of vision for his own purposes than he plunged again into the concrete and particular he did not confine his activity to literature but was active also in politics and in the prosecution and encouragement of historical studies as a critic of literature de sanctus is far superior to saint biv lessing macaulay or taine Flaubert's genial intuition adumbrated what De Sanctis achieved. In one of his letters to George Sands, Flaubert speaks of the lack of an artistic critic. In La Harpe's time, criticism was grammatical. In the time of Saint Beuve and of Taine, it is historical. They analyze with great subtlety the historical environment in which the work appeared and the causes which have produced it. But the unconscious element in poetry whence does it come and composition and style and the point of view of the author of all that they never speak for such a critic great imagination and great goodness are necessary i mean an ever ready faculty of enthusiasm and then taste a quality so rare even among the best that it is never mentioned De Sanctus alone fulfilled the conditions of flaubert and italy has in his writings a looking-glass for her literature unequalled by any other country but with desanctus the philosopher of art the aesthetician is not so great as the critic of literature the one is accessory to the other and his use of esthetic terminology is so inconstant that a lack of clearness of thought might be found in his work by any one who had not studied it with care but his want of system is more than compensated by his vitality by his constant citation of actual works and by his intuition of the truth which never abandoned him his writings bear the further charm of suggesting new kingdoms to conquer new minds of richness to explore while the cry down with metaphysic was resounding in germany and a furious reaction had set in against the sort of walpurgisnach to which the later hegelians had reduced science and history the pupils of herbart came forward and with an insinuating air they seemed to say what is this why it is a rebellion against metaphysic the very thing our master wished for and tried to achieve half a century ago but here we are his heirs and successors and we want to be your allies An understanding between us will be easy our metaphysic is in agreement with the atomic theory our psychology with mechanicism our ethic and aesthetic with hedonism herbart who died in eighteen forty one would probably have disdained and rejected his followers who thus courted popularity and cheapened metaphysic putting a literal interpretation on his realities his ideas and representations and upon all his most lofty excogitations the protagonist of these neo herbartians was robert zimmermann he constructed his system of aesthetic out of herbart whom he perverted to his own uses and even employed the much-abused hegelian dialectic in order to introduce modifications of the beautiful into pure beauty the beautiful he said is a model which possesses greatness fullness, order, correction, and definite compensation. Beauty appears to us in a characteristic form as a copy of this model. Vishner, against whom was directed this work of Zimmerman, found it easy to reply. He ridiculed Zimmerman's meaning of the symbol as the object around which are clustered beautiful forms. Does an artist paint a fox simply that he may depict an object of animal in nature? no no my dear sir far from it this fox is a symbol because the painter here employs lines and colors in order to express something different from the lines and colors you think i am a fox cries the painted animal you are mightily mistaken i am on the contrary a portmanteau, an exhibition by the painter of red white gray and yellow tints vischer also made fun of zimmermann's enthusiasm for the aesthetic value of the sense of touch what joy it must be to touch the back of the bust of hercules in repose to stroke the sinuous limbs of the venus of milo or of the faun of barberini must give a pleasure to the hand equal to that of the ear as it listens to the puissant figures of bach or to the suave melodies of mozart Vischer defined the formal aesthetic of Zimmermann as a queer mixture of mysticism and mathematics. Lotz, in common with the great majority of thinkers, was dissatisfied with Zimmermann, but could only oppose his formalism with a variety of the old mystical aesthetic. Who, he asked, could believe that the human form pleases only by its external proportions, regardless of the spirit within? Art, like beauty, should enclose the world of values in the world of forms. This struggle between the aesthetic of the content and the aesthetic of the form attained its greatest height in Germany between 1860 and 1870, with Zimmermann, Vischer, and Lotz as protagonists. These writers were followed by J. Schmidt, who in 1875 ventured to say that both Lotz and Zimmermann had failed to see that the problem of aesthetic concerned not the beauty or ugliness of the content or of the form as mathematical relations but their representation costlin who erected an immense artificial structure with the materials of his predecessors modified chastler who is interesting as having converted the old vischer to his thesis of the importance of the ugly as introducing modifications into the beautiful and being the principle of movement there. Vischer confesses that at one time he had followed the Hegelian method, and believed that in the essence of beauty is born a disquietude, a fermentation, a struggle. The idea conquers, hurls the image into the unlimited, and the sublime is born. But the image, offended in its finitude, declares war upon the idea, and the cosmic appears, thus the fight is finished and the beautiful returns to itself as the result of these struggles but now he says schossler has persuaded him that the ugly is the leaven which is necessary to all the special forms of the beautiful e von hartmann is in close relation to schossler his aesthetic eighteen ninety also makes great use of the ugly since he insists upon appearance as a necessary characteristic of the beautiful, he considers himself justified in calling his theory concrete idealism. Hartman considers himself in opposition to the formalism of Herbart, inasmuch as he insists upon the idea as an indispensable and determining element of beauty. Beauty, he says, is truth. But it is not historical truth, nor scientific, nor reflective truth. It is metaphysical and ideal. Beauty is the prophet of idealistic truth in an age without faith, hating metaphysic, and acknowledging only realistic truth. Aesthetic truth is without method and without control. It leaps at once from the subjective appearance to the essence of the ideal. But in compensation for this it possesses the fascination of conviction which immediate intuition alone possesses the higher philosophy rises the less need has she of passing through the world of the senses and of science she approaches ever more nearly to art thus philosophy starts on the voyage to the ideal like Bedecker's traveler without too much baggage in the beautiful is eminent logicity the microcosmic idea the unconscious by means of the unconscious the process of intellectual intuition takes place in it the beautiful is a mystery because its root is in the unconscious no philosopher has ever made so great a use of the ugly as hartmann he divides beauty into grades of which the one below is ugly as compared with that above it he begins with the mathematical superior to the sensibility agreeable which is unconscious thence to formal beauty of the second order the dynamically agreeable to formal beauty of the third order the passive theological to this degree belong utensils and language which in hartmann's view is a dead thing inspired with seeming life only at the moment of use such things did the philosopher of the unconscious dare to print in the country of a humboldt during the lifetime of a Steinhall, he proceeds in his last of things beautiful with formal beauty of the fourth degree which is the active or living theological with the fifth which is that of species finally he reaches concrete beauty or the individual microcosm the highest of all because the individual idea is superior to the specific and is beauty no longer formal but of content all these degrees of beauty are as has been said connected with one another by means of the ugly and even in the highest degree which has nothing superior to it the ugly continues its office of beneficent titillation the outcome of this ultimate phase is the famous theory of the modifications of the beautiful none of these modifications can occur without a struggle save the sublime and the graceful which appear without conflict at the side of supreme beauty Hartmann gives four instances the solution is either imminent logical transcendental or combined the idyllic the melancholy the sad the glad the elegiac are instances of the imminent solution the comic in all its forms is the logical solution The tragic is the transcendental solution. The combined form is found in the humorous, the tragicomic. When none of these solutions is possible, we have the ugly. And when an ugliness of content is expressed by a formal ugliness, we have the maximum of ugliness, the true aesthetic devil. Hartmann is the last noteworthy representative of the German metaphysical school his works are gigantic in size and appear formidable but if one be not afraid of giants and venture to approach near one finds nothing but a big morgante full of the most commonplace prejudices quite easily killed with the bite of a crab during this period aesthetic had few representatives in other countries the famous conference of the academy of moral and political sciences held in paris in eighteen fifty seven gave to the world the science de bleu of leveque no one is interested in it now but it is amusing to note that leveque announced himself to be a disciple of plato and went on to attribute eight characteristics to the beautiful these he discovered by closely examining the lily no wonder he was crowned with laurels he proved his wonderful theory by instancing A child playing with its mother a symphony of beethoven and the life of socrates one of his colleagues who could not resist making fun of his learned friend remarked that he would be glad to know what part was played in the life of a philosopher by the normal vivacity of color thus german theory made no way in france and england proved even more refractory j ruskin showed a poverty An incoherence and a lack of system in respect to aesthetic which puts him almost out of court his was the very reverse of the philosophic temperament his pages of brilliant prose contain his own dreams and caprices they are the work of an artist and should be enjoyed as such being without any value for philosophy his theoretic faculty of the beautiful which he held to be distinct alike from the intelligence and from feeling is connected with his belief in beauty as a revelation of the divine intentions the seal which god sets upon his works thus the natural beauty which is perceived by the pure heart when contemplating some object untouched by the hand of man is far superior to the work of the artist ruskin was too little capable of analysis to understand the complicated psychological aesthetic process taking place within him as he contemplated some streamlet or the nest of some small bird at naples flourished between eighteen sixty one and eighteen eighty four antonio tari who kept himself in touch with the movement of german thought and followed the german idealists in placing aesthetic in a sort of middle kingdom a temperate zone between the glacial inhabited by the esquimaux of thought and the torrid, dwelt in by the giants of action he dethroned the beautiful and put aesthetic in its place for the beautiful is but the first moment the later ones are the comic the humorous and the dramatic his fertile imagination found metaphors and similes in everything for instance he called the goat the devil opposed to the lamb jesus his remarks on men and women are full of quaint fancies he granted to women grace but not beauty which resides in equilibrium this is proved by her falling down so easily when she walks by her bow legs which have to support her wide hips made for gestation by her narrow shoulders and her opulent breast she is therefore a creature altogether devoid of equilibrium i wish it were possible to record more of the sayings of the excellent tari the last joyous priest of an arbitrary aesthetic source of confusion end of section twenty four